Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Kind of muggy, but it's cool, and we got a little bit of rain. Hey, folks, this is Felder Rushing. I'm a horticulturist, but for the next hour or so, I'm going to take that hat off, unless I have to put it on, and just talk about gardening with you. Uh, this is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden party. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. My host, my, my, my boss over here, my producer, is an awesome Java Chapman. And like I say, for the next hour, I got a couple of emails. There's several things going on that you might be interested in scattered all over this part of the, the, of the South. But it's a live program, so there's some things you want to talk about this beautiful, beautiful, nice time to get out and do something besides Rake Lee's weekend. This is your chance. So uh, sit back, relax. We're going to do just a little bit of news and come back with your phone calls and the Gestalt Guard here on MPV. We're going to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening. You don't get, well, I am. If you want to, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> Toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. That's what I'm here for uh, this morning. If you have some things you want to chat about in your garden, that's a chance to talk to somebody who's not going to try to sell you anything, not trying to be a know-it-all. My ego is intact, so if I don't know something, I can find out. I'm, I'm all right with that. Actually, you can call in to help me out because a lot of times you know stuff that I don't know because I just hadn't been there. It's okay. There's a difference between ignorant and stupid. Ignorant means you just don't know. Stupid means you can't remember. No, no, you can't figure it out. No, no, you just don't want to know, I guess. I'm not sure. Better not go there. Anyway, if you want to give us a call again, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We got plenty of, plenty of stuff to to chat about. Um, One of the things that I want to mention is there's a whole bunch of things going on this weekend. I'm going to talk about them a couple of times each over the next little while. Uh, But I want to mention that there's some really good ones. uh, coming up right away. Matter of fact, we need to call somebody. I just forgot. I'm going to do an interview. Can I, I, I Java? Can I send you? The, can I text you the the phone number? <laughs> yeah, send it to me because um, yeah, this is live radio. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna try to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just so excited to be here. You know what I'm saying? One of those kind of things. Let me see, Java. What's your personal email address? <laughs> no, no, you got me. Just text it to me, man. Okay. I'm, while you looking for the, while you looking for it, and we getting these calls, I have to say, uh, happy homecoming to Jackson State University. All righty, all right, J State. Did you know I went to to Jackson State for a little while? No, I didn't know that. I got mm, big part of the way through a PhD, and then they told me I had to study statistics. I said, "How about I hire a statistician?" <laughs> and they said, "No, you got to take statistics." I said, "Well, let me take the statistic that the music majors take." Or the education? No, I had to do with the math people, and I said, you know what, guys, I'm out of here. Oh, it wouldn't have been that bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was. It was. I took the first test. I walked in. I studied. I had a tutor. Went to every class. Took notes. Looked at the test. Turned it upside down. Couldn't figure it out. Turned it in and said, either you know it or you don't. I never went back. Anyway, I hope you got that number I just sent. I don't know if you did or not, but if you could give him a call in the next um, a minute or two, because he's got a program at 930 coming up. Uh, anyway, we're going to start out, uh, instead of doing announcements, because I got discompobulated, we're going to go to uh, to Prentice and talk with Ann. Good morning, Ann. Thank you for calling. Good morning. I was just calling to see if you could tell me about any flowering bushes that'd be good in really shady areas. 
Oh, yeah. A lot of the old-fashioned shrubs, you know, they're hard to find because people go for the azaleas and, you know, all the, the fancy stuff. But azaleas will bloom in, in moderate shade, moderate shade. But um, as far as the, uh, uh, the old-fashioned stuff like spirea, uh, there's one called English dogwood. Some people call it, um, not English dogwood, I forget what it's called, um, English dogwood. Mock orange is another name for it. Uh, you know, those are really good ones. Oh, all right. Uh, but also, if if you'll send me um, uh, 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 an email, I've got a list of some really good ones. That, you know, hydrangeas do okay in the shade, but you don't have quite as many choices. And we do have some native plants that grow that flower in the shade, like the uh, the native what some people call wild honeysuckle, or the pink dogwood. It's okay, a it's a native woodland great. plant. Say what? That's great. Thank you so much. Well, it's a start. Thanks for calling, Ann. All right, I'll be sending an email. Bye-bye. Okay, did you get, you got the 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 phone number right? No, you got to send it again, man. I just I just text you. We we're gonna get it together. I think I just sent it to you. You may have sent it to somebody else. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, we're writing it down and we're gonna shuttle it through there. So uh, anyway, it, it's it, I didn't forget about it. Just discombobulated because we walked through the woods getting here. Uh, anyway, let's talk to uh, Mary Jane, who's calling from um, DeKalb. Hey, Mary Jane. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, I wanted to thank, thanks, Felder. I wanted to thank you for coming over to speak to my husband at the Max last Saturday uh, and to tell him of your father's service. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, You know, he was, uh, uh, he was at, y'all were at like a class reunion or something, weren't you? Yes, we were. We were. And and we appreciate your coming over so much. Thank you. Well, it's one of those things where they had a military band. They they, they had the Army band. They were playing some patriotic stuff. And they did a tribute to all the services, you know, the Navy, the Army, the Marines, the National Guard, the, I mean, the Coast Guard and the, the Air Force. And he was the only one who stood at attention when they played their tune. You know, the Navy guys were going, woohoo, woohoo. But he stood at attention. I said, that's a Marine there. My dad was. My son was. Anyway, Thank you so much. My, And I did have a little question about my Confederate Rose. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I read your article about the hibiscus that was in our local paper Uh uh, this past week. And I wondered if it's something this year I could do to to have made it uh, bloom more. Because usually it blooms better, but maybe it might have been the lack of rain here. Well, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance while you're at the Max, and I had a great time. There was a, a big crowd, like fifty people came and talking about container gardening, but also we had a plant swap. But, but right across the street from, uh, on the other side of the train depot, the master gardeners have a plant sale. Right across from them was a big Confederate rose and some okra and some cotton, which are all in the same family. That's what's uh, got me thinking about writing that column about all the different hibiscus relatives in our gardens. Uh, but in, anyway, uh, Confederate Rose is a really tough, durable uh, perennial, but we had so much rain back in the spring, um, and, and, and in the summertime, they got very lush, you know, and when they should have been kind of toughening up, and then all of a sudden the spigots turned off. So a lot of plants that normally bloom really well in the fall – Kind of got extended, overextended a little bit. Oh, so, I see. so anyway, uh, that's bit. You know, tr- uh, have you heard of switching okra with a stick? Oh, I haven't. Well, yes, I have too. I had forgotten about that. Well, yeah. it's in the, it's in the same family. Next summer, go out there and lightly. T- your neighbor's going to think you're crazy, but but go ahead and tap it tap it a little bit and see if that doesn't rough it up. And it stimulates flowering. 
Okay, great, great. Thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Now, let's see if we get Gary on the line. Gary, Dr. Bachman, are you with us? Hey, good morning, Felder. How you doing today? I'm doing fine. Listen, I know you got a program coming in a little while, but thanks for spending a couple of minutes. I just want, first of all, let me tell folks who you are. A lot of people know you, uh, Dr. Gary Bachman. You're the professor of horticulture. You're the consumer horticulturist from Mississippi with the Extension Service. Yeah, yes, ma'am. I'm based down on the coast. So I kind of handle, you know, the southern part of the state. They're everywhere. Come on, Gary. You're all over the place. Uh, I see you. I, I, I was going to go there, but, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, get, I get around, Felder. Well, you're also the producer of Southern Gardening, which is both the television and you got a radio program, too, and, and uh, you know, getting the right. information out. But listen, here's right. what I've got. First of all, before I get to that, did you just hear me tell that lady about switching her Confederate rose? Have you heard of that? Switching now, okra. I haven't heard about about switching the Confederate rose. I've heard it about the okra before. Yeah, well, I, my, you know, you and I, being scientists, you know, if you can switch okra to to stimulate blooming, uh, it's in the same family, same right. as I'm thinking. Maybe that'll help get some flowers going on that. Hey, you never know. You know, I'm I'm all about that. Um, and I and I'll tell you about the Confederate rose this year. I tried the old-timey method of just taking some cuttings and throwing them in a bucket of water and forgetting about them. And it works. And they, act- and they actually work. I've done it in the <laughs> past where I've, where I've really watched it, and they didn't work. This year I said, out of heck with it, and lo and behold, it worked. Yeah, well, that's what I did last week. You know, everybody I've got, we saw some in the cemetery over in Meridian, and, you know, I've already got it, but I had to take some cuttings because, you know, that's where we are. But listen, reason sure. I, a reason I want to snag you today, you've got a couple of, you have, you're always doing stuff. Uh, you know, you're, you're the, you're the, 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 I hate to say the face, but you're the voice in the face of home gardening in Mississippi. And you've got well, a big thing going on this weekend uh, at Crystal Springs. But right now, I'm at Truck Crops Branch Station. Oh, you're there. Oh, yeah, because I'm speaking here at 930, but the gates just opened. This is the largest free horticulture field day that we have in the southeast. Yeah, that sounds kind of fancy. Horticulture field day sounds kind of fancy, but it's a gardening (laughs) event. I mean, you've got all sorts of gardening stuff going. Demonstration gardens. I, you know, I help. I, I remember right. when Rick Snyder planted the first marigolds there, and they got more attention okay. than all the vegetables. But you've taken it a step further. Right. It's 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 a it's a it's a fantastic event, and um, I always look forward to this. You know, and just wandering around and just talking gardening with the folks. What's the, you have demonstrations, replicated demonstrations on trials of all sorts of new flat, old cutting, old heirloom, standby, dependable stuff and cut. What's the coolest plant down there this year, if you can say that? Oh, I can, I can say that. And, you know, and, it, and it's a shame that it's so late in the year, but it's my favorite Vista Bubblegum Supertunia. What? I mean, if you would ask me, any time through the year, that is my favorite go-to plant. A uh, Mr. Bubblegum Supertunia? Yes. You're making that up. I, I, I am not. <laughs> and, and, I, and it gets so big. It's ready uh, as well on the front lawn. If you're looking for a nice hot breakfast. All righty. Here, here, Dr. Snyder is advertising breakfast here. So. They, they got food. Well, li- listen, I know you got some, you know, one of my favorites down there, and I and I actually stole some seeds here a couple of years ago, is uh, the, the Roselle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't have any of that here. Um, 
we had field day at, Pop- at our Popperville branch station last week, uh-huh. and the Roselle was showing out. I got it some of my go- gorgeous. Well, listen, I'm going to give some more details about it, but uh, you're talking at 9 through. You could be there tomorrow, too, or just today? Well, I'm going to be here tomorrow, too. Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to come down and visit with you. That That's great. The okay. other thing, though, there's a really the, – the, uh, the Mississippi State, the Landscape Architecture uh, School and the Garden Clubs in Mississippi have a really big landscape seminar every October, and that's next Wednesday. And you're the keynote speaker there, too. But you're talking about, like, trends in gardening or something? Yeah, I'll I, I tell you, I'm really honored to be um, asked to speak at this. It's my first time. And I'm going to talk about – trends that I see in horticulture. There, there's no science involved. It's just one extension agent's view of what's going on in our gardens and landscapes. Well, you're, you're the extension agent. You're the extension horticulture specialist that, that also has your finger in every, every state in the county. So you probably see stuff. Right. And, and, and that's, that's what it's about. I've, I talk to a lot of people, Felder, you know, just like you do. And, and, I, and I see what people are expecting from the garden, and especially from new gardeners. Not, not, the, not the old guys like us, but the folks that are just getting their feet into the garden and what they want. Yeah, but you... Yeah, and, and, and they're different than us. Yeah, but you also see what they're most likely to be disappointed in and what they're most likely to have, have success with, and you sort of push them that way a little bit. Absolutely. Well, one thing about the new gardeners, they don't want a trial and error. No, <laughs> they want they want to buy plants that will be guaranteed performers, and you know that's tough. Yeah, well, it it, it is. Except that's what this field day is all about today and tomorrow. Right. So people yeah, can see back. they can see what went it went through that wet spring, the wet summer, and the incredibly hot, dry uh, late summer and fall. They can see what has done well and just mostly plain dirt. That's right. Good that's dirt. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you got to do some stuff, uh, Doc. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you down there. And um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you t- today. And you could be there tomorrow also. And then next Wednesday, I'm going to be there, too. Look forward to see you. Okay, okay, hang in there, bro. Thank you, man. Hey, listen, we'll, we'll see you then. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thank you. Okay, folks, that was Derek, uh, Dr. Gary Bachman. He's the uh, the host of and the producer of uh, Southern Gardening. He's with Extension Service. He's a state consumer horticulturist. He's not from the South. He's from like Detroit or someplace. So he had to, to he came here with open eyes to see what does well and what he could try to help other gardeners do, and also help the producers put on the, the the plate for us to try. Anyway, we've got some things going on. Got a caller on the line. I've got a few uh, uh, other events to talk about. I'll give details about the one we just talked about, but we can take a real quick break and come back with the Gestalt Gardener and your phone calls right after this. Okay, Oak folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Uh, before we uh, announce a few things going on this weekend and take a phone call, let me let me welcome everybody who's listening from outside the South. I got a, an email from a woman from Canada who listened to this. I'm thinking, you know, gardening is still dig a hole, put something in it, green side up type of stuff. But uh, anyway, just uh, y'all who listen from the South, we appreciate it. But want everybody else to know all y'all are welcome here at MPB. Now let's go to uh, Jackson. Talk with Camille. Good morning, Camille. 
Well, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Listen, I've been seeing something on the Internet it's called vertical farming that yeah. sounds like a no-brainer. And considering how much uh, fresh food uh, insufficiencies we have here in Mississippi, it sounds like a no-brainer here, but it, you use so much less water and no pesticides. Do yeah. you know anything about it? Well, well, first of all, the no pesticide thing, that's sort of a, a, a pie-in-the-sky thing. Where they, where they say no pesticide, they're talking about places that don't have stink bugs the size of your thumb. See, so, you know, gardening is always going to involve some kind of disease or sometimes insect control. It always that's just the way the nature of gardening. But anyway, vertical gardening is basically just a, a stack stuff. Wall you water the top thing, it trickles down, and and uh, sort of like putting uh, nesting three or four pots to, on top of each other, uh, except using uh, more intensive practices growing food. And some things you know work really well. There's a, a, a group up in Memphis that's doing a good bit of this. And uh, but anyway, it's an interesting thing. It's a little labor intensive to get it started, but it's a great way in small space to produce a lot of stuff, especially in desert jungles where there may not be room for urban farms. Right. Well, that's that's my impression is that you have the investment in front, but then you don't have any uh, seasons that you know you can. Instead of having one season, you just have a season right after the other. Well, so now, so oh, now, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to be arguing because it is a great practice, but it's using the same basic rhythms of home gardening and raised bed gardening. You know, in my garden, when something per- harvested or dies, I pull up six something else in the hole. So they're just doing it in a tight, tighter space with the controlled environment. But, uh, you know, we can grow stuff to eat year round in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee. We can grow stuff every week there you can eat out of the garden by interplanting. Anyway, the vertical garden thing the uh is is a is a really cool idea for small spaces, intense, like on the rooftop, for example, is a good place. Well I've been seeing uh, you know, the there are apparently um, investors that are, you know, this is like a burgeoning thing that, you know, they see a, a lot of potential in it. Uh-huh. So they're making uh, investments in large vertical farms. And yeah. I think the ones uh, I've seen are in, in Europe. And, they they uh, do a lot. You know, th- this uh, place, I, I live near a, a town uh, called Manchester, and they've got a, I went to a, an entire display of vertical gardening uh, about a year, a year and a half or so ago. It's really big where, where, where it's space is tight and people are, are crowded. But um, anyway, and there's a lot of information, but keep in mind, a lot of the stuff that's written is always written by the, the people who are promoting it, and they, they, they make a little bit more pie. It's still gardening, still planting, taking care of it, and harvesting, just a little bit different, shifting the system around a little bit. But, but you are using a whole lot less water, right? Yeah, well, it's just like, you know, I, you know, when you have a big pot, a middle pot, and a small pot stacked on top of each other, just water the top part, it's the same thing. It's just yeah, okay. a, all it is. It's a, it's a more technical variation on an age old thing of growing stuff in the rain gutter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. catching the stuff out of the downspout and recycling it. Well, it, you know, it just seems to, from what I've read, and I know what you say about being getting biased information, so I try and read several different websites. But it, it does sound like you know, like especially, um, you know, you can't grow corn indoors, but you can grow. Uh, you know, all sorts uh, of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, like it, like I say, when I'm in England, you know, in the winter, it's a cold, dark climate in the winter time, but they still grow food, but they do it inside. Anyway, yeah. great idea. Uh, shoot me an email and let's get a little back and forth going. Okay, I'd love to. Thank you so much. All righty, appreciate it. Bye bye.
Oh, folks, um, I mentioned uh, last week the Maximum Reading. I had a great time. It's a little slide presentation on whacking container gardening for winter and an informal plant swap. Uh, anyway, had a, a really good time. It was a whole bunch of fun. But uh, there's some things going on uh, this this week and next I think you might be interested in. Let me go, do a real quick rundown. Uh, Mississippi State uh, Extension Service is having their, their uh, truck crop experiment station in Crystal Springs has this Big, big event. They've got raised beds, all sorts of display gardens with vegetables, flowers, perennials, fruits, all sorts of stuff there. And it's free. And uh, they've got vendors, master gardeners have plant sales, they have experts on home fruit. Just It's a terrific opportunity, and it's free. It's 9 to 2 on Friday and Saturday. And by the way, the experiment station is immediately south of Crystal Springs on Old Highway 51, which parallels interstate. So take the south Crystal Springs exit. Go right to the four-way stop and go south, and you're right there. Uh, be sure to tell Gary Bachman. I said, hey, he's a he's a cool guy. Uh, also, uh, after the fall fest is packing up tomorrow afternoon on Saturday, uh, there's going to be a thing at uh, in Picayune. I say a thing. Crosby Arboretum is having a, a presentation starting at 6 p.m., which is right before dusk, called Music Under the Pines. It's at the famous Pinecote Pavilion, which uh, is uh, a, a great piece of American architecture. Anyway, local musicians, complimentary refreshments from 6 till 9. If you want some, some more information about that, uh, go to Crosby Arboretum. Uh, well, just Google Crosby Arboretum and take it from there. But that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, next Wednesday, October 16th, the 64th Edward C. Martin Jr. Landscape Symposium. Uh, Gary uh, Bachman, Bob Bruzak, they're going to be having a, a, a whole lot of fun talking about trends and, and interesting things for you to consider. It's co-sponsored by the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. And uh, again, that's from uh, 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock at the uh, Boston Extension Service uh, Auditorium right by the stadium on campus at MSU. Now, coming up next week, this is going to be kind of fun. Uh, Poplarville is going to have its first ever Sweet Mississippi Tea Festival. And I'm going to be down there with my pickup truck with all the stuff going on in the back of it. I'll be there Friday evening and Saturday. It's going to be downtown Poplarville. It's free. Uh, my friends uh, Don Vanderwerken and Jeff Brown from the Pearl River Tea Company are going to make sure that it's all really, really fun. Anyway, Tea tasting, vendors, artists, musicians. I'm going to be there in my green pickup truck. I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And then two last dates I want to throw out. Uh, October 26th in two weeks, Mobile having their, their plant swap, the old Dolphin Way plant swap. It's at Central Press uh, parking lot uh, at the corner of uh, Dolphin and St. Anne. Or, or Dolphin and Ann Street, it is a lot of fun. It's going to start at 10 o'clock. And then um, the next week, Flora is going to have this, as far as I know, the oldest plant swap in the known universe. Been going on since I had a waistline and short hair. That's how long we've been doing this. Uh, anyway, it's going to start at 9 o'clock on Thursday, October the 31st. It's going to be Halloween time. Uh, but that morning, starting at 9 o'clock, real fun plant swap. We don't care who you are, who your mom and them are, what kind of garden you are. Bring something in a pot or a bag that's, that's eat, that, that somebody else can grow, and we're going to mix you and your plants up and have a good time. They're free. Uh, got anything else I can help promote? Shoot me an email. Um, got somebody at the library, garden center, garden club, master gardener? Uh, email me. Garden at MPB online.org. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be doing uh, d- down in Pasca, not Pasca, what am I saying? Uh, 
I've drawn a total blank where we're going to be next week. It's uh, not past Christiane. Gulfport. No, it's not Gulfport. There's, it's a town over there. South Haven? No. Biloxi? No, hang on a second. I, I'll think of it. I'm going to be on the coast. We're going to be broadcast from the coast next week. Gulfport? No, it's St. Uh, I can't. I <laughs> Let's get this coffee. John, <laughs> my coffee between it and the antihistamine is I'm doing great this morning. We need to, anyway, I'm going to be broadcasting live on the Gulf Coast next Friday. I'm doing a little landscape consultation down on the coast and uh, the, uh, then right before the, uh, the Mississippi Sweet Tea Festival. I'll tell you the details about that when we come back. Meanwhile, can we do the cheesy music? Let me catch my breath. <laughs> Ah, this is one of my favorite old corny tunes. A guy named Roger Miller. He was a country star. He wrote a bunch of wacky stuff. Wacky stuff. But this is an upbeat type thing, and I'm going to go take me another pop of antihistamine, get me some more coffee, come back and play with my Buckeye seeds that I brought for show and tell, and my big clusters of golf ball size clusters of purple American Beauty Berries. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break and gather my thoughts, and we'll be back with your phone calls. Right after this, I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Me and Java and Kevin Farrell, we're bringing this garden party to life. We got the screen doors wide open because it's a nice day outside. We'll be right back after this. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Roller skate in a buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you've mind to. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. But you can be happy if you've mind to. All you gotta do is put your mind to it. Knuckle down, buckle down, do it, do it, do it. Well, you can't go swimming in a baseball pool. You can't go swimming in a baseball pool. You can't change film with the kid on your back. Can't change film with the kid on your back. Can't change film with the kid on your back. But you can be happy if you've mind to. You can't drive around with a tiger in your car. Dokie folks, welcome back. I've, I'm back and I'm decomposing here. <laughs> hey, we've got the lines wide open. I've collected my thoughts. I calmed down a little bit. If you want to give us a call, I'm gonna be nice. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. The lines are wide open. Good chance to call in yak about stuff. Uh, there's a, a picking up steam, by the way, in interest in a magnolia flower. 
on uh, Mississippi State flag. If you're interested in that, just check it out. Just think about it. Go to magnoliaflowerflag.org. Magnoliaflowerflag.org. Let me know what y'all think. Uh, to rake leaves or not rake leaves? This time of year, I went out with my leaf floor the other day because I had uh, just a, had, I couldn't wade through the leaves anymore. I took my leaf blower to it. Uh, by the way, I also took the leaf blower to behind the truck seat in my truck in my Jeep. I got my truck and my Jeep leaf blown. But uh, anyway, uh, to rake or not, if you can rake leaves into a pile, put around your trees or shrubs and have a leaf pile, that's fine. But try this. Try just simply mowing the leaves. Run the lawnmower over. It's quicker than raking. Uh, it's, it's neater, and it chops the leaves up, and they uh, feed your grass. As long as when you get through mowing, you can still see the grass, just mow them. It feeds the grass. It feeds your trees. It feeds the worms. Everything about just mowing the leaves is great. When they get so thick, though, you can't see the grass anymore, that's when you rake them or blow them up or under your trees, uh, which is more natural than grass under a tree, by the way. Uh, around your shrubs uh, is mulch or just into a leaf pile. But mow them as long as you can. It's really good for everything about it. Good for the landfill, too. Uh, now let's go up to Hamilton, Alabama, which I went through downtown Hamilton uh, last year and talked with Chris. Hey, Chris, good morning. Morning. Howdy. What's going on? Uh, not much. I, I had a question about using shade cloth in the garden. I've heard you recommend... Um, using uh, bug screen and stuff like that. Yeah. I was wondering what your idea on using shade cloth in the middle of the summer, like on tomatoes and peppers. Well, you know, is is you know, shade cloth comes in different uh, different strengths. I'm gonna call. It. I can't think of the right word. You know, they let different amount of lights through that. I wouldn't use a heavy cloth in in the summertime because the plants still need light to to function. And it's not so much the sunshine that gets the plants; it's the heat. And shade cloth, if you use a real heavy shade cloth, it could actually collect heat. So I'm not sure that would be the, you know, the ideal thing. But use a, a real lightweight kind that still lets most of the sun through. And you shade, think like a, a, a 30%? Well, you know, I don't. there's so many different kinds. The main thing is these plants, they need full sun to, 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 to grow well. They just don't like the heat of the summertime. And uh, so also you need to put a pencil to see how much the shade cloth costs versus how much the tomatoes would cost. But uh, anyway, it would be better to to spend your money in the summertime on mulching the ground to keep the, the, the roots cool and moist. Uh, you know, to me, that would be a whole lot better to use something like that. But anyway, to answer your question, a shade cloth would be better for plants that don't like bright, bright, hot sun. Some of the leafy greens and uh, the leafy plants and root crops, they don't need quite as much sunshine. So anyway, that's just a, okay. a, a general approach. Okay. Uh, outside a question, I have a sassafras tree that... We've cleared some property, and it's kind of tall and spindly. Could I top it this fall? Right now it's about 25 foot, but the trunk's only about maybe five or six inches around. Uh, you could. It's, it's usually, I mean, it doesn't hurt a tree. It's not a great idea. What happens when you top a tree is it puts out, all, just like a shrub, wherever you make the cut, the whole bunch of new growth comes out like a witch's broom right there. So if we could do that, I would cut it down lower so that when it sprouts back out next year, you could thin it out to just two or three of the strongest stems. You know, but while you're at that, why not just cut it almost to the ground and let it sprout out and be like a multiple trunk tree? Top it down, you know, to ankle high. It won't hurt the tree any more than cutting it at 10 feet tall. Uh, but the, the, okay. the, the problem with topping a big, tall tree, you can do it. But, again, that witch's broom of a whole lot of uh, 
of uh, of new growth. They're real weak, and they're likely to split if you have an ice storm. And let's face it, Hamilton, you get ice storms. Yeah. So okay. if you can do that, come back and thin them out to the strongest uh, two or three. Okay. All right. Okay, and uh, and I'm gonna put my thinking cap on about the shade cloth. It's a good idea. I just uh, I'm just you know sort of rambling from an educated point of view about that. Uh, and so let me let me think a little bit more about it. Okay. All right. I think. Okay, Chris. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Have a good one. <clears throat> now staying up north, let's go to Corinth. Hey, Earl. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? I'm gonna let me turn my radio off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you answered faster than I thought you would. Whoops. Uh, yeah, I have purchased some mums that were in full bloom three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And currently those blooms are all dying off of it. Yep, it'll I be next year before you get anything else. Okay, I just wanted to <laughs> prune them back and they would come back out this year. Well, try this. Even though you're up in what I call the icebox, if we have a mild fall, chrysanthemums are what they call short day plants. Uh, they, the, they, they grow all spring, summer, and fall. But as the days get shorter, that stimulates flowering. And so it could be that you've cut them back now. They, they will put out some new growth if you get them a good soaking. It might be that the new growth will have time if we have a mild winter, set flower buds and bloom a second time. It just depends on, you know, it's going to take several weeks is what I'm saying. So it's a gamble on the weather. All righty. I was hoping to get through the, uh, at least through the end of October before they quit blooming, but they're beginning to drop those blooms already. Yeah, yeah, no, that that happens. You know, they peak. What happens? You, you bought a, the uh, the wholesale growers when they plant these, they plant a whole bunch of cutting, and then they cut them back to about an inch and a half tall, and then when those bush out, they cut those back, and so they keep cutting them back until oh, around the the end of August, uh, you know, for the middle of August or so, so the new growth has time to set buds. Anyway, try cutting cutting them back. It won't hurt to cut them back. Let's put it that way. All right. Appreciate it, fella. Good luck on it, Earl. Thank you. All right. This is a great weekend, folks, to plant stuff like lettuce and broccoli and cabbage and kale. These plants love cold weather, and we've got cold weather, believe it or not, going to come here sooner or later. Um, One of my favorite kales is one called La Sonata dinosaur kale because it's got kind of a bluish green color and it's got uh, uh, kind of a rough texture to it. Um, it's also called Tuscan blue. It's what the Tuscans would uh, made uh, their minestrone from for centuries. Anyway, it's hard to find it because it's not pretty in a pot. It just doesn't look, it looks like a rough collards, but it's one of the prettiest winter plants. Anyway, I found some this past week at Lowe's, of all places, and then somebody told me that they have some at a wholesale uh, place south of Brandon called Rivers Plant Farm. It's got some. So I know it's out there. If you can find the type of kale called Lacinata, it tastes better to me than all the rest of them. It doesn't have to have bacon grease like collards do to eat it. Um, this is also the last chance if you want to get out of the state fair that's uh, closing this weekend. Last chance it is the flower show. I, I have a very unusual relative of what a lot of people call mother-in-law tongue or snake plants called Sansa Vieria. Uh, Sansa Vera, I've got a really bizarre one, maybe the only one in the state. I'm not sure. He got a blue ribbon. So at least one other person thinks this bizarre plant's kind of cool. So uh, anyway, uh, let's go to Fairhope, Louisiana. Nope, we're going to Cindy, calling from somewhere, Cordova, Tennessee. Hey, Cindy. Hello. Cynthia. Cynthia in Fairhope. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm in Fairhope at the moment. I actually live in New Orleans, and 
Um, our Louisiana Gardener Guide says to plant edible pod peas between September 1st and September 15th, which, of course, we couldn't do because it was an inferno. And I'm wondering how late we can plant them and still get a fall crop. Well, see, it's really interesting. Edible pod peas, you're talking about things like sugar snap type things. Exactly. Sugar bush, yep. sugar daddy, all like that. It was, by the way, the sugar bush, sugar daddy, uh, they don't get quite as tall. They're more bush type than the old-fashioned uh, viney type of uh, sugar snap. Anyway, right. they like cool weather. They don't like hot weather. And on right. the coast, we can have cool weather right through the wintertime. So it's possible on the coast, uh, you get them up and growing, that they'll produce as long as we don't have a, a frost on them. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a gamble. I would plant a few uh, as soon as you get around to it. And uh, okay. the plants grow great in warm weather, but they flower uh, and they, they produce better in cool weather. And, you know, like I say, on the coast, you can have cool weather in December, January. So, And also, you can turn right around and plant some more in uh, sometime around the early February, and they still have plenty of time to produce before it gets too hot. I try to do two crops a year, but it's so iffy, you know. It's oh, yeah. Like, on the coast, also, we have the powdery mildew problem. That, you know, yeah, yeah. Involved. And, uh, and you know, there's not much we, I mean, I had a problem with powdery mildew. Uh, I, I grow the, you know, not the edible pod peas, but plain old English peas over the summertime in England. I have a problem with powdery mildew and also those, those white, uh, the, the caterpillars that eat them up. Oh. So I put uh, insect netting. I've got some insect netting. Um, you don't use BT? Insect netting works just as well or cheaper. Oh, okay. <laughs> All righty, I'll give it a try because I love those things. I do too. I do too, Cynthia. Well, anyway, good I luck just, on it. Hey, hey, if you thanks. give it a try, let us know how it works. I will. I just wondered if there was a daylight length of daylight issue as well. Not, not really. Temperature. Not really. Okay. You know, again, you know, they grow really, really well. Uh, you know, in Europe, and they have short days too. Well, they have really long days in the summertime. But anyway, I don't think that's so much of a problem. I think we have plenty of sunshine. Okay. Thank you. Good luck on it, Cynthia. Okay. Bye. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go now to Cordova, Tennessee, and talk with Cindy. Cindy, I got my bifocals going, but there's a, but you're the only caller on here, so I can see it. What's, okay. What's up? Um, just wondering if it's too early to plant tulips in the ground, and or in pots. And not really, but have you pre-chilled them? I just bought them. Okay. Tulips are the only uh, the only spring bulb that I think really need to be pre-chilled to plant them here in the south. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I would stick them in the refrigerator for, for, for at least four or five weeks. You know, Cordova's, okay. you get plenty of cold up there. That shouldn't be a problem. But they'll bloom better. So what you might want to do is go ahead and fill your pots with some, you know, some pansies or whatever you're going to put in there with them. And then just, uh, you know, get those going and then come back with a broomstick and poke holes and stick the tulips in later. Okay. And uh, second question, you've always talked about rooting the the little seed balls that are on bottle brush buckeyes. Yeah. And you, it, you've said it's kind of easy, but I've never had any success with it. I've got uh, about six I picked off my tree, and I've got them in a pot with potting soil. Um Nothing's happening. Well, in general, and this is just a real general rule of thumb, plants that drop the leaves in the winter root best in the winter. 
Okay. You know, crepe myrtles, roses, buckeye, things like that. If they root, the deciduous plants root best in the winter. You can root them when the new growth in the spring kind of toughens up, late spring, early summer. You know, that what they call semi-hardwood. But right. in general, most people who do this for a living root their deciduous plants in the wintertime. Okay. Well, I was talking about those balls that are on the end of the stems. Have, have, have you oh, 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 the before? buckeye. Okay, not the yes. bottle brush, the regular, the red buckeye. Well, now this is a bottle brush. Well, I don't. I, I've never grown that. I've got the regular buckeye. I got some. Matter of fact, I don't know if you could hear it, but but listen to this. I got two of them right here. I'm banging them together. The regular buckeyes, uh, you know, I just planted. The, you're talking about the seeds inside the balls, right? Well, I was just talking about. Do you? I thought you put the whole ball in the potting soil. No, that little leathery thing. No, no, no. If you open it up, they've got seeds. Uh, the regular red buckeye, which is what I've uh, what I've grown, they're not quite as big as a golf ball. They're they're pretty good size. You, and and you put those in. I just planted some last week. And uh, they, my bottle brush has those on it. Okay. Well, when the seed pods, when those little leathery uh, ball things open up, the seeds are in there. Okay. Okay. I thought you put the whole thing down there. Yeah. Okay. I will open them up. Okay. And I've I've never done the bottle brush buckeye. I thought you were talking about rooting the cuttings, but uh, the red, regular buckeyes they come up. I just planted them last week. They should be up in uh, a couple of weeks. Okay. You see, my my red buckeye has never uh, never formed the ball. Go out and look at it. I bet they're out there. You think? Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Okay, Cindy. Appreciate it. All right, Good luck. <laughs> okay. We got this uh, theremin music, by the way. This is a guy named Thomas Grillo. Thomas lives in Jackson. He is a world-renowned thereminist. Theremin is the only instrument you play without touching it. It's what gives it that weird, uh, the, 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 the day the earth stood still kind of science fiction music. Anyway, he played a duet with himself on his theremin, and that's what you're hearing. Uh, Gestalt Gardens, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We like to have some fun. If you can come up with a, a theme, this our theme on something weird, send it to us. Send us an EP, MP3, and we'll see what we can come up with. Anyway, Horticulture Federal Java, I'm just blathering again. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with some callers here at MPB right after this. Okay, okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Fell to Rushing. And when we get off the air, I'm going to head down to the Fall Garden Festival at just south of Crystal Springs because I want to see what Gary Botman said called Mr. Bubblegum Supertunia. <laughs> we'll see, Dr. Bachman. Uh, anyway, it's Bay St. Louis. I'm going to be uh, doing some gardens consultations next Friday. Bay St. Louis. Sorry about that. Uh, anyway. Let's go to the phone calls, starting with Scarlett in Columbus. Hey, Scarlett, good morning. Hey, good morning. Yes, um, I have taken up a stone path, and I would need to uh, replace it with either grass, sod, just so it won't be like a river. It goes from my uh, carport all the way to the backyard. Uh-huh. Uh, do you, are you going to walk there? It, yes. 
Okay. Reason I'm asking, if you can walk there, grass really doesn't hold up well under foot traffic in the winter time. You know, you can put sod down there. It's a little bit late. Typically, we're going to say uh, towards the end, middle of September is the sort of a cutoff date for grass to have chance to get rooted before fall. So you might want to just put some ryegrass seed out there. If you got bare dirt, just some ryegrass seed to get you through the wintertime, and then put the sod down when it starts to warm up in April. So a little bit late. If you put sod down there, you're going to have to water it all winter because that sunny, dry weather not going to have your roots. See, so I'd okay. wait till spring for some. You can do some ryegrass, but also keep in mind that, that grass really doesn't hold up to foot traffic, uh, especially in the wintertime when it's dormant. So, um Anyway, I don't want to argue with you about, you know, your your choice of materials, but maybe put you some flagstones down there to step on and then put grass around that. Okay. Okay, I can do that. But it's a little Thanks. bit late for putting sod out for for is doesn't have time to get started before before winter. Okay, well, I'll try the right grass. Thank you. Okay, good luck, Scarlett. Appreciate <laughs> Thank it. You. Bye. Okay, now to uh Port Gibson. Hi, David. Hey. Hello, David. He's not listening. <laughs> he has the delay on. That's why we ask people to turn their radios off. I know. He listened to delay in case, in case I say something stupid. Oh, that would happen all the time. David, pick up the phone. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm letting you on the radio. Here we go. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, I want to know, can you plant them uh, mustard green and tonic green now? It's so dry. It is dry, but you know, and the seeds are little. So if you can kind of work the ground up, if you'll wet the, if you'll put the seeds out there and just wet it down, you don't have to water it. Just wet it down every day or two until it comes up. Then once once the seeds get sprouted, they can take it from there. But you need to at least keep the seeds from drying out when they first crack open. So all you gotta do is just wet them down. Okay. All right, show thanks. It's a good time though. Good luck on it, David. You know, when they come up and we get a frost, they're sweeter after we get a frost. Yeah. All right. Appreciate your call. Okay, I didn't do your show here before. Well, thanks for being part of it, sir. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. I got an email by the way. I want to give a shout out to Christine. She said I enjoy listening to your show on Friday mornings as I'm delivering Meals on Wheels in Memphis. Since I'm running in and out of the car, I probably miss an answer or two, but here it goes. She said, I want to reclaim some more lawn. It's all grass. I've heard people say if you put black plastic in all the air to kill it, it's easier to dig up and proceed later. Is this a good idea? Um, no. <laughs> you put black plastic on top, the sun hits it, it heats it up, and the heat goes straight up. You put clear plastic over stuff, the sun shines through it, it heats up the soil moisture, and it steams everything down there. So if you want to uh, reclaim an area that way, uh, wet it down, cover it with clear plastic, and then the sun will take it from there. It's sort of like uh, you know leaving something on the dashboard of your car. You know you want the sun to come in and heat it up. Better idea though would be to spread some flattened out cardboard and cover it up with leaves. Because that'll do the same thing. It'll smother the weeds over the wintertime, and next spring, the ground will be soft. It'll be moist. The worms will be big and fat because they've been eating the cardboard and the leaves. So cover stuff up with leaves. Flatten cardboard if you've got it. You know, not the waxy stuff, just old brown cardboard. Get some boxes, flatten them out. Cover them with leaves and mulch, and come springtime, it'll be you can plant right through it. It's like digging into to, like, like chocolate cake. 
So that's a good idea. I did bring some uh, uh, Buckeye seeds. They're bigger than my thumb, bigger than two thumbs, as a matter of fact. They're shiny. They're sort of mahogany. Put these in a pot about an inch deep and water them. And within a couple of three weeks, they're going to be sprouted. They can be six or eight inches tall before fall. And that's a shade plant. If you got shade, the native red Buckeye is a shade plant. Looks like big spikes of red salvias in the spring. Hummingbirds love it. Matter of fact, hummingbirds follow buckeyes. As they start blooming along the Gulf Coast, they follow the buckeyes all the way up into Ohio and Canada. That's their food that lures them north. If we plant enough buckeyes, we might be able to keep them all to ourselves. Don't know. Anyway, there's so things going on this weekend. If you uh, down at, around Crystal Springs, which is the south of Jackson, about 25 miles, there's two exits off the interstate. The south exit is takes you right over to Highway 51 and the Experiment Station, just south of that on Highway 51. It's free from nine till two on Friday and Saturday. It is an unbelievable opportunity to see cool, pretty. Flowers, vegetables, perennials, cutting edge stuff, heirloom stuff, butterflies. You want to take some kids and show us the butterflies? Take them to this festival. It's free. A lot of all sorts of uh, stuff going on, lectures and food and, and uh, plants and all the st- all sorts of education. It's a lot of fun. And then uh, next Wednesday, I'm going to be joining uh, Gary Bachman and and uh, uh, Bob Bruzak and the Garden Club Ladies of Mississippi and the School of Landscape Architecture. They had MSU from 9 o'clock till noon at their annual landscape symposium at Boston Extension Service. i got some other stuff going on. If you've got some events you can uh, uh, shoot me, I'll be glad to promote them. Meanwhile, um, this week, I think it's a great time to put you a pot of lettuce on your front porch. Mix two or three different kinds of seeds together, not just the green stuff, but two or three different kinds. Put a little pinch of it uh, here and there, and you'll have little uh, entire little balls of salad growing, and it'll come up quick. You can eat it quick. If you start a pot every couple of weeks, you'll have fresh salads right through the winter times. Real easy to do. And uh, also, it's a good time to, to think about planting bulbs. Uh, October is a good time to plant stuff, daffodils, all those kind of things, but tulips really do better if you can put them in the refrigerator, not the freezer, the refrigerator for three or four weeks if you can. The five or six would be even better. Hey, the Extension Service puts on all these uh, uh, promotional things around the state. Well, I was with Extension Service, and I'm glad to help promote Extension Service promoting good stuff. Uh, the Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Java Chapman in there. He's so patient. He's so laid back with me. And then Kevin Farrell has been our phone greeter today, another producer here at MPB. Uh, if you have a chance to get out and about this weekend, it's a great one. Take a kid to the State Fair, show them the flower show. But most important, if you get a chance, it's a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Uh, Take a kid to a garden center. Take a kid to a farmer's market. Take them outside. We'll be fingers in dirt. Show kids how to do what we do best. Because if you don't, who's going to show them how to get dirty? See you all next week.